We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. I'm Steve Maletto from Teaching Learning Leading K-12, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Last week, I interviewed Nancy Conrad about the Conrad Challenge, and I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. If you haven't, you can find it at transformativeprincipal.org slash Nancy Conrad. That is a great interview, and we talk about the Conrad Challenge, which I would encourage you to go participate in. It is student teams competing in different categories, aerospace and aviation, cyber technology and security, energy and the environment, health and nutrition, smoke-free world, transforming education through technology. These are all great areas where you can take a group of students and help them go down this path to create something amazing for the future. So Nancy and I called this learning without limitations, and I think that is what needs to happen in education. So the deadline to submit for that is Friday, October 19th, but get in there today, go to conradchallenge.org and check that out. You're going to really enjoy the process of doing that with some students. And it's something, as we talk about in that interview, that I am doing right now with my school, and it is really fun and exciting. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have as my guest today, Matt Coleman. 
And Matt was recommended to me by uh, Joel, who's a member of my mastermind. And when he said I should talk to Matt, I was pretty sure it was going to be an awesome interview. And hopefully it will be, Uh, you know, we're just starting. So we'll see. But Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, first, first off, don't, you know, don't set the bar too high there. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully this will be a good interview. So my name is, as you've said, it's Matt Coleman. I uh, am the executive director at an organization called Inflection uh, with an X, formerly known as the Educational Policy Improvement Center. Uh, We focus on consulting and research around secondary school change specifically, um, we are not not for profit. Who uh, was founded by David Conley, who many people point to as, as kind of being, dare I say, and he'd get mad if I he knew I said it this way, but kind of the godfather of college and career readiness. But prior to that, I was an assistant superintendent. I was a, a large high school principal, about twenty seven hundred kids in Beaverton, Oregon. Was a large middle school principal, about twelve hundred kids in Beaverton. Uh, middle school teacher, uh, high school teacher, assistant principal at the high school level. And born and raised in small town, Oregon, doing work now out of Eugene and, and all over the country. Well, that's, that's very cool. So I find people's stories fascinating of how they get to where they are. And it always amazes me when I see somebody in such a uh, different role. Can you talk about what it means to be a not-for-profit um, <laughs> consulting company? Because I don't know that I know many companies that are like that. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I wake up every morning, you know, worried about uh, about meeting payroll. Uh, very different than when I was a high school uh, principal <laughs> or an assistant superintendent. Now, all joking aside, I'll tell you a little bit about our organization. I mean, essentially, you know, obviously, not for profit um, means what it says, but our focus really is on researching and then through our research, consulting against some big ideas that support the concept of, of schools working for all kids and, and, again, specifically secondary schools. So really what it means for me personally and for many in our organization is that we get on planes and, and we fly places and we uh, work directly with schools and districts. For the most part, bigger schools and bigger districts and for the most part in large urban, but we actually do some small rural work also. But our focus is really trying to, to help get schools to think a little bit differently about what it, what it means and what it takes to be successful. And for us, success is ensuring that all kids, and kind of underscore and bold all, uh, all kids are being served well, something our system really wasn't designed to do. Um, so we, we dabble in the research side of it. We focus on a holistic vision. Our organization focuses on a holistic vision of readiness. Uh, being being ready is more than a cut score and smarter balance. It's more than a transcript full of, of AP or IB courses, and and the system should really look to 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 orient itself around that. And we do that um, through a, a consultancy partnership model. Very, it's very different than what you know the elbow to elbow work of of being a, a school a school person, whether it be a school principal or a teacher, etc. But it's it's different but fun. Yeah, and you know I. I like your on, on the website inflection.org and uh, there's a link to that in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. If you go there, the thing at the top says preparing all students for life after high school is not easy. We're here to help. Yep. And when I first was researching about you and I saw that, I was like, 
I, I love that approach because it's not just you're not saying the buzzword of college and career ready. Right. You're you're saying preparing students for life, and I and I love the idea of of supporting all students, which you are so spot on about. Our system is not set up to support all students. It is set up to support a very specific subgroup of students that are compliant and know how to follow rules and all that kind of stuff and does not, it it leaves so many kids behind that it is just tragic. And so being able to support all students, that just speaks to my heart and makes me excited for for the possibilities that are there. So, So can you talk a little bit about the approach that you guys use, which I think is just fascinating. So can you talk a little bit about how that works? Yeah, definitely. And if I get long winded, please, uh, please cut me off. But let me give you the the overarching structure. And this is based and really grounded in organizational theory and, and people like Peter Senge's work and, and kind of more recently in the education space, Michael Follin's work, but kind of distilled down to, to what, you know, you might argue, or we might argue is that our theory of change is this idea that, that school identity uh, should inform the kind of structures you employ to support your approach to learning to empower readiness for all. And there's kind of four critical elements there. There's an element of identity informing the structures, the structures being the systems, the processes, the practices that should be intentionally designed to support an approach to learning, that uh, the approach to learning is in- intentionally designed and aligned to empower this concept of future readiness. Uh, post-secondary readiness, uh, et cetera. And where we start, we actually start when we think in this way, we, we start with the end in mind. And so one of the things that, that's most critical and one of the things we find that, that most secondary schools actually don't, don't have is they don't have a consensus of outcomes in, in, in terms of the context of readiness. And so there's, there's not a vision for readiness that's been operationalized in terms of a set of outcomes and a set of outcomes uh, that are holistic. Day, we use Dave Conley's model that he developed over 15 years and, and is well-researched and the, and the literature continues to, to evolve and emerge to support it, that the shorthand for it is think, no, act, go where think is are the, the key uh, critical thinking skills. Um, we throw in things like ideation, curiosity, um, design thinking, et cetera, fall into the think space. No is uh, your classic content knowledge and skills. And uh, that it, it includes, you know, kind of your classic access skills for reading, writing, math, but also the content specific uh, skills. So for, for me, I taught uh, at the middle school and high school level, I taught uh, science. And so, you know, scientific inquiry would, would fit into that, to kind of that no category. And our system is, is really uh, hyper oriented to, to the no, uh, especially the accountability models. And then act and go, we like to think of as the metacognitive skills and the not, or the non-cognitive skills, but in the act space, it's really this concept of ownership of learning, uh, which again, I would argue our secondary schools are fatally flawed and that, that they don't, they don't uh, engender and our instructional approaches don't engender uh, this concept of ownership. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to be compliant. It's, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, it's all about engagement. And yes, engagement's important. It's a step up from compliant, but a step up from engagement is this concept of self-direction and ownership. And that fits in the act. And then the go in Conley's model is uh, really designed around privilege, knowledge, 
was where it originally res- uh, started with this idea that specifically to go to, into post-secondary and into career, there's information out there that's privileged to, to the privileged few that the system was really designed to serve and has, has served well. Uh, but again, it's only the privileged few. And you've got to make some of those things explicit. And this is where a program like Avid specifically really is powerful because it helps kids who are, are not among the privileged to understand what it takes essentially to, to go and to kind of make that next step. With that said, we've evolved it since, you know, our, my time here at, at, at Inflection and in, in working with Dave, that go is also around developing your own sense of self and your own self-knowledge and, and kind of your own identity in the context of an ever-changing world. And so when, when we think about readiness and when we work with schools specifically, that's our starting point. It's, you know, how would you define the outcomes you're looking to achieve for all kids? And uh, as we work with folks, um, you know, we essentially demand maybe too strong of a word, but we're not going to partner with anybody who who can't think holistically um, because we know that what it takes to be successful in college. We know what it takes to be successful in career and in life. And, and it's a holistic set of skills. So that's that that's the kind of the beginning of the, the end in mind. And then uh, we start there and then we work back to identity. And when we think about identity, uh, specifically, it's the shared values and beliefs and the mental models, the ways that you see the world that an organization or a school share, uh, as well as the shared vision for who you aspire to become. And that really is. Uh, again, from the from the, the organizational theory literature, that really is a sense of what it means uh, to have organizational identity. And what we find, and we've seen and, and worked with hundreds of schools over the last couple of years, that the schools that are really working for all kids and really kind of knocking it out of the park are schools that have a consensus of outcomes that are, are known and shared by, by internal and external stakeholders. So this idea of readiness and, and this vision for readiness is known and they have clarity of identity. They know collectively who they are. And those schools uh, that have that are, are able to kind of, uh, of set a through line from their identity to their ready to, to this concept or this vision of readiness from which they can align their structures and their approaches to learning. Unfortunately, um, typically what we see is that schools are, are usually lacking both. There's not a clear vision for readiness and there is, there's a lack of articulated uh, and shared identity. And this, again, the schools that, that have those are schools that really are making, making school work for all kids. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that, that Joel suggested that I talked to you about is how do you get people to have the, the same vision and how do you engage all the stakeholders? Because that's something that we struggle with so much is how do we get everybody on board with that when it's challenging just to get everybody on board with, you know, little things like, you know, who needs to do curb duty, you know, (laughs) even those things are challenging to get everybody on board with. So how do you do that with something as big as having a clarity of identity? Yeah, I, it really does start with the concept of readiness, and, and it's relatively easy to get people on board. We ask a very we, – we actually call it our, our life uh, readiness protocol, and we've done this actually with, with uh, staff, with students, with businesses, with research groups like ours, the Carnegie Foundation, specifically the staff at the Carnegie Foundation down at Stanford – We've done it with thousands of people um, over the last couple of years, and 
in the life ready protocol, what we ask people to identify is what are the, the one or two things that you developed, you know, in, in high school specifically or in secondary school specifically that have served you well in life and in your career. And we have individuals do this and then they, we, we have them work in groups and we have them map it against the four keys, think, no, act, go in Every single time, the concentration of the skills and the attributes and, and, and the characteristics that have had the biggest impact on people fall in think, act, and go. We've essentially never had anybody say, you know, oh, it's been, it was all about the no. It was, it was learning Newton's three laws of motion. You know, I, I always use that as a joke. I'll ask people, you know, in, in the audience, and again, I've done this with thousands of people, uh, educators and, and, and parents, et cetera. And I'll say, well, raise your hand if you know Newton's three laws of motion. You know, I mean, it was a huge piece of content that I love teaching when I taught physics and nobody remembers it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. well, that's, that's the point. That the no, and it's not that we, you know, we don't sit there and, and rail on on the no and, and whatnot. I mean, reading and writing and math and content knowledge, is, it is important. It's what you build your instructional approach around in terms of the content. But what we know about success going forward and what we know about life readiness, both from the research, but also talking with thousands of internal and external stakeholders, is that when people, individuals are able to kind of point to what's made them most successful it's often in the act and the go and, and, and also the thing, but it really concentrates in, in the act and the go. Yeah. And Matt, that makes total sense when you think about it, because that is exactly what we all recognize is the most important thing. You know, whatever is on a test is not, that is almost never something that we need to know beyond that test. Right. The other things that we learned through the process of learning that are certainly things that we need to know, but that one thing it just doesn't fit in there. So, so then the next part of that is how do you distill that into something that is actionable right. once you have that common vision? How do you get that down to actionable steps? Well, so this is where, so when you do that and, and it literally, I mean, that literally takes an hour of concentrated time and then you're able to kind of say, Hey, look, let's just, <laughs> we, we all agree that think, no act and go. And when, when I say that, I mean, other people, people use the five C's, they use 21st century learning skills. We, we don't care what you use with it, but it, it just thinking holistically when you do that and when you operationalize, you know, a consensus of outcomes and what you're looking for, that's a cornerstone of your identity. Because again, identity is this concept of vision and, and kind of who you aspire to become in terms of serving all kids. So that, that's, you've articulated your vision for what you're trying to, to achieve. That's an important piece of identity. But then it's also a mental model. It's a, it's a way of thinking about the structures you're going to employ to support the approaches to learning. So what we would ask folks to do in terms of that next step, in terms of, of okay, how do you, and what do you do with that? If you've operationalized it, you're then able to take a look at what you do and what we actually have schools do. And this is this gets at this idea of, of all meaning all and really designing a, a system that, that serves all kids well. We'll ask a, a comprehensive high school to identify everything they're doing to support kids. And and literally the lists generally are, are 100 line items long uh, in a shared Google spreadsheet. And then we'll have them map 
and say, okay, what are you doing to what end? And so you might take something like Link Crew or Web for, for middle schools, uh, which are the transition activities, uh, eighth to ninth grade and, and kids, kids supporting kids, Web is, is fifth to sixth grade. And you might say, what are you trying to get out of that? And what are the outcomes at the kid level? And then how does those outcomes connect to think, no, act and go? Now, for a link crew and for web, we would say that the primary outcome you're looking for really is fits in the go, actually, because you're trying to help kids get themselves oriented to a new space and and understand kind of this new world around them, which for us, again, when we think about about go, it's knowing it's knowing yourself in the context of an ever changing space and, and in school, you know, those two points of transition are huge. And so really if that's the primary purpose of go you there, excuse me, of link crew or of web, then you, you really want to kind of, dare I say, interrogate whether or not you're actually orienting those activities to really give kids a clear sense of, of where they're at. Um, and those are natural ones that, that really fit the, the concept of go. And so you'll, you go through this process of looking at everything you do and then mapping it against those skills. And what we, what we end up, the, again, the, the skills that you've identified, what we end up finding with schools is they've never really thought this way. They've never really taken a look at the structures and the approaches to learning in this way. And they find that they have huge gaps and huge old holes. Yeah. And, and that doesn't seem so surprising because we, we know we do, we do so much stuff in schools where we just like throw a bunch of stuff in and we never think about what the actual outcome of that should be. Right. And we do it just because we're supposed to, or somebody said we should, or whatever, you right. know, that, that we know that's not going to work. And yet we continue to do that. And that is our default state in many uh, situations that that's just, you know, how it goes. So, and I think there's a, there's a piece that you talk about with, I think the word is maxims, life ready maxim right. or something like that where you, that's how you actually decide whether or not when you're doing something new or adding something in, if that is actually going to align to your vision. Can you talk a little, did I get that right? And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're, we're, we borrowed the term maxims from Nike and Nike as an organization, uh, historically, they've, they've had 11 maxims that really, they clearly articulate their values, their beliefs, and their mental models. And a good example of one is simplifying go. Um, and you know, they had a billion dollar um, venture that was, I think the Rio Olympics and they had kind of the strategic plan or the strategic direction on one page. And don't get me wrong. There, there are many other pages that fed into that, but this idea of simplifying go is that a big idea or a big approach or a big strategy should be able to be distilled simply into one page. Um, that's one of their 11, 11 maxims. Um, what, when we think about uh, this idea of, of, of life ready maxims or, or maxims at the school level is it's a way to, to kind of distill and communicate those key elements of your identity. And I'll give you a, give you an example of a school that we worked with down in, in Southern California, big high school um, that we were technical assistance provider for because they were a school in improvement status. And they um, we, we went through the process of uh, some of the things that I've been talking about here, but specifically when it came to their identity, 
Um, they landed and, and we helped them land on, on making a statement around We Are Valley, which was kind of their a little bit of their hashtag, uh, We Are Valley. But then their, their kind of three maxims were or are, we are connected, we are strong, we are lifelong learners. And where that came from, and there's there's a, a little bit underneath each of those, or quite a bit underneath those, but but they actually came from the th- three distinct groups that we are connected. Really came from engaging with with parents and family, saying that that we want our kids to be connected to something that was that is is bigger than themselves, and we want them to be taken care of, and we want them to to be in relationship. We are strong actually came from the kids. And basically what they were saying to the both the, the internal staff, the internal stakeholders, but also to the community at large was, was don't treat us as less than. Uh, this school happens to serve a, a population that's 99, it's about 2,200 kids, 99% uh, Latino and about 99% free and reduced. And the kids were, were clear have I ex- expectations for us and hold us to them. We can do this. We are strong. And then we are lifelong learners uh, came directly from the staff. Um, but to give you an example, when the school was taking a look at after kind of establishing these maxims and, and the, these elements of identity and articulating them, they needed to make a decision. They were in a, in a, a school that had half their students participated in career pathways and the other half in a very traditional setting. And one of the things that, that we would say from a structural piece and obviously the master schedule and, and, and that kind of orientation gets at, at the structures you employ, uh, your, your structures should actually reflect your identity. You know, we say identity informs structures. Well, one of the first things I look at when I go into a school is I look at their structures and I look to see what is it reflecting. Well, when you've got a, half your kids in career pathways and the other half in traditional, it tells me you don't really know who you are and what you believe and what you aspire to. Exactly. And so yes. that was literally the first 15 minutes with the principal. And I said, I looked at him, I said, you don't know who you are. And he's like, you're so right. So we went through that process. Well, when we got this idea of we are connected. And as, as that certainly resonated with families, but also resonated with kids and, and resonated with staff, it was the natural point to say, then does it make any sense that we have this half our kids in a traditional model? And long story short, they decided to go wall to wall with career pathways. And I will tell you, I could build an argument for traditional if it actually reflects yeah. who you are and what you aspire to be. I can build an argument for career pathway, um, it, but it's all dependent on who you are and who you aspire to be, what your identity is and, and what you think in terms of your, your shared vision of readiness. Um, they went that direction in three years, their grad rates uh, increased 11 percentage points. They went from 78% uh, graduating to 89% in three years, uh, which is unheard of. And that's not surprising given that now they know who they are and they change what they're doing to be who they are. And, and that, that piece to me is, is so fascinating because one of the things that I talk about with, with principals as I'm, you know, talking about my mastermind and en- engaging them in, in this podcast and other things is the idea of, do you want to be just another school, yeah. a school that is just, you know, it doesn't matter. Like kids come here, like this is one of the challenges. And one of the reasons why I like the movement to have, to have more options for families is that it forces us to say, I'm not just the school that you have to go to because you live down the street. 
I'm the school that you want to go to because of X, Y, or Z. And so one of my personal educational maxims is I give kids what they need when they need it. And that is, you know, sometimes that means that a kid needs to be suspended. Sometimes that means that a kid who maybe should be suspended needs to just be told you matter and you're important. And let's talk about how to overcome this. Or that could mean that, you know, a kid doesn't do a homework assignment tonight or does do a homework assignment tonight based on that individual student. And we've got to get past this idea that we all have to be exactly the same, which is what we've been taught and what we've been told we should believe. But the reality is, is we really need to be focused on our communities, on our people, and make sure that we are doing what that group of individuals needs rather than just doing what we've always done or whatever. And if we're not clear enough on that, then we're, we're just going to be another school. And, and that is no, what's the point of doing that? If a kid could go anywhere else, why would they even come to your school? Right. It's interesting. I mean, I, I would expect based on that, I love how they give getting kids what they need when they need it. I mean, I, you laugh at this, the way I kind of shorten that, because that's a, that is a, it's a part of who I am as part of one of my maxims is I believe in being consistently inconsistent. You know, I like that. <laughs> one of the, one of the things that I would expect to see, I would expect to see, you know, if I were to, to come visit your school and I'd say, you know, to you, I'd, I'd say, Hey, you know, let me talk to a VP or somebody that's involved in the discipline process. And I'd ask them to walk me through, I just talk me through how you work with kids and how do you administer, you know, consequence. And I would, I would expect to hear elements of what are, what's, you know, it's function-based thinking, this idea of, of understanding, you know, the function of kids behavior uh, before you administer a consequence um, because to, to get at what exactly what you're getting at, which is it's the function of the behavior that's going to articulate, or it's going to expose what a kid needs in that moment. And, you know, for, for you to say that as, as a principal, I would I would expect to actually see your structures reflect that. Um, give you a, a, a different example, a hiring example uh, when I was principal, because I absolutely believed in that. You know, it is is the the second question, the first question we'd ask in every interview and every one of our staff. I mean, we always we always did interviews in, in group format uh, with lots of people, lots of uh, stakeholders involved. But everybody knew that the first question was, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're interested in this position. That was always the first question. The second question for every interview was, how would you define fair, the concept of fair, and how would you apply it with kids? And everybody on the interviews team knew that if there was any sense that they defined, the candidate defined fair as being treating kids the same or treating kids equally – Everybody on that interview team knew that we automatically skipped to question seven and a 45 minute initial interview became a 15 minute interview that we we weren't going to waste our time. Now, that's a that's where the process, the hiring process actually should reflect those core maxims. And I tell you, I mean, this is, you know, I talk about the master schedule. That's usually the first thing I look at at high school. Uh, The second thing I look at is show me your interview questions, because generally interview questions are not structured against a set of shared maxims. Yeah, man, it's so fascinating that we're talking about this right now because I'm in the process of hiring an assistant principal and we just had a bunch of essay questions submitted. One of the questions was about the discipline policy and anybody who did not answer saying we take the child into consideration and look at what they're 
what their life is like and yep. and all that and figure out you know everything that could be impacting this if they didn't answer in some way like that like if they just said we follow district policy it's like nope yep. done. not even going to talk about it and yep. one of the things that my teachers have been the most frustrated with with me as a principal is that i don't blindly follow the district policy on every single thing and that drives them bonkers because so many of them, not all of them, but many of them want things done in a very specific way. If a kid does this, then this is the consequence and that's all there is to it. And I get so much grief for giving kids what they need when they need it. And it, it's just fascinating, you know, that they, we're talking about that now because yeah. I've got so many thoughts in my head swirling around about that. But it's easy for me to deal with that backlash. Because that's my maxim and that's what I believe right. deep down in my soul about helping kids is we give them what they need when they need it. And it's easy for me to not be bothered by that when it is kind of bothersome. But it's yeah, awesome. And it's interesting. And I you know, I, I would encourage you um, not to check yourself on what you believe and 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 living that out in, in the systems and the structures. But I, I know for me, because I, I was in the same boat. I mean, I did exactly what, I mean, I, you and I are, are two peas in a pod when it comes to this particular maxim, and I'm sure many others. But I, I always had to check myself just to, that my perspective was always a little bit different. And it didn't mean that I would change my course of action, but I'd be really, really explicit with teachers understanding how their their perspective is really different on this individual kid, right? I mean, things I used to say is, look, this kid's not destroying my classroom and the other 30 kids in it and is, is not in my grill, you know, every day, every other day, you know what I mean, uh, for, for an hour and a half. I was in a four-by-four four blocks in a 90-minute period. So I, I get that. However, if it's ultimately for us, and we knew this as a school, we, we knew this, we share this as a staff, you know, it, it is kids getting what they need when they need it. And it is about all kids. This is why I think we need to do this. And I think just always kind of articulating for, from a, the position of the principal, this recognition that your perspectives are different. And I was always tried to always really put that out there because it does get frustrating for, you know, for teachers that, you know, sometimes you got to balance the needs of the individual versus the collective. And, and it's easy for me as principal to look at this kid and what, what's happening at the individual level and, and not really totally fully get, understand or appreciate the impact it's having on the collective. And that said, I would still go <laughs> the, the direction you go uh, because that, that's, that is a personal maxim uh, for me also. And, and a maxim, not just a personal one, but, a, but one that, that, that the staff uh, ultimately were, you know, uh, appreciated and, and took on as their own uh, as a system. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered a lot of ground here, gone through a lot. I can't believe that 30 minutes has already gone past. Thank you so much for your time and for, yeah. for sharing this with us. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of this show, if you go to transformativeprinciple.org or you can get the link to inflection.org. And, and I put a bunch of links in the show notes, including a YouTube video about Nike's 11 maxims. And so there's there's a lot of great stuff there, transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 243. And so you can you can check that out. In closing, Matt, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? I think the thing that I, and I encourage people to do this all the time, schools cannot form identity if they're 
leadership, the principal, certainly first and foremost, do not have an understanding of their own maxims. And so what I would encourage anybody and everybody to do, um, and to actually do this regularly, is to identify 10, 12 stakeholders, um, certainly your, your staff, but also a student or two or three or four, and potentially some community-based organizations and or families, and just ask these three, three simple questions um, and ask them open-ended and tell them any answer is good. There's no wrong answers, it's, you know, et cetera. What do I value? So if, if I'm the principal, I'm asking, what do I value? What do I believe? How do I see the world? And listen for the continuity. The, the, I call them, the, I think of it as the, the ties that bind, the strands through, through all eight, nine, 10, 11 interviews where it's just quick, quick little 10 minutes. What do I value? What do I believe? How do I see the world? And listen for those things. If you don't hear consistency of concepts, of maxims, then you're not being clear and leading from from your heart and from who you are. And you should do your own kind of identity development work. And then what most people will probably see is they can see the strands but there's not a shared language. And this is the power of this concept of maxims. You know, uh, saying something like uh, simplify and go at Nike means something to everybody. I think if you were to go to Westview High School, certainly in the Springfield School District, when I was assistant superintendent responsible for things uh, like discipline and, and, and expulsion hearings and et cetera, people would know, oh, that's all about being consistently inconsistent. And they would know what that meant. That meant getting kids what they need when they need it. Um, and so I would encourage anybody and everybody out there that go out. And I, I would do this once a year at a minimum and just take two or three hours and just talk to a bunch of people and just ask, open it. What do I value? What do I believe? How do I see the world? And then a next step to that or an add-on question could be, and, and what about what I do reflects those three things, my values, my beliefs, and, and my mental models. Make sense? Yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, I, I think this is a, a good time for me to do this myself and make sure that that I hear that. And I don't usually add on to what people say at the end of my <laughs> podcast, but I've got to say this because the school year just ended here for me and I our district get, requires teachers to give feedback to the principals and people can leave comments or not. And, you know, there's a scale and all this stuff. One of the things that I, as I was reading through those yesterday that kept on coming back to me was the idea of what you just said, that I didn't ask these three questions, but the comments revealed some of the answers mm -hmm. to this. Yep. And people's concerns about the quote unquote lack of discipline was actually, they were saying exactly what I wanted them to say that, you know, Jethro doesn't follow the district norms. And to me, that from that person, that was a critical piece of feedback. To me, that was a compliment. Right. And it was like, that's right. I look at each individual kid and do what's best for right. that kid. And it was amazing to see that through uh, other people's eyes. You know, they're marking me down saying that I'm not a good principal in these areas. But that's actually what I consider my greatest strength is that I have the courage to say, this is what's important. And, right. and it was not just that discipline piece. That's just what I'm highlighting because we've been talking about it. But it was a lot of other things that like, you know, sometimes we don't know exactly what things are going to look like. And again, I'm okay with that because I haven't used inconsistently inconsistent to refer to myself. However, I think that many of my teachers would say, yes, Jethro is consistently inconsistent because right. that 
he does what's the best he, that he believes in the moment. And that doesn't mean that it's the same thing that was the best, uh, you know, two days ago. And, and that is just such a powerful idea. So anyway, I think- Bill, I'll add on to your add on real quick. The question I would have, so I, I love what you're saying, because I totally agree with you and that, that that is a reflection of your identity, right? And, and you're, and you're seeing it in, in the natural responses, which, which should be affirming to you in terms of your walking, oh, yes. your talk. Yeah. Uh, the piece that I would encourage you to think about then is how do I help my staff? How do you help your staff um, develop that same maxim? And if you haven't done work around function-based thinking, uh, I call it the ABCs and Fs of behavior, you know, the antecedents that come before the behaviors that a lot of times as a consequence, most secondary folks think in terms of B and C, their mental model for behavior is that if you've got the right, the, the right character, or the right stick, you're going to be able to, to get the right the right kind of behavior, you'll be able to change behavior. The reality, what you're getting at is you have to look at the function. You're going to be consistently inconsistent around the function of the behavior. And that can change on a day-to-day basis with kids and getting staff. I did this work at, at West few years ago with, with the same kind of concerns coming forward. I'd continually bring people back to our mental model around behavior. Behavior wasn't as simple as the single look loop between behavior and consequence, we had to factor in function and we had to think about the antecedents and thus it was far more complex. And if we were really going to serve all kids well and ultimately serve our our, our school community well, we had to think about it in double and triple loops and getting people an understanding of a a different way of thinking about behavior because most secondary folks think behavior and consequence, behavior and consequence, behavior and consequence. When you get them to think in a more complex way, they have a better understanding and I think a, a little more um, room for grace in terms of your action yes. or inaction yes. if they understand the why behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, so Matt, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing for principals. We don't have we don't have near enough, enough support in, in terms of getting our own stories out there. Um, and so I, uh, I love what you're doing. So keep it up. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.